0: Hello and welcome back to Comics Over Time, a podcast where we take a trip through the history of Marvel comics with a focus on some of the important and interesting comic stories that inspired the Hollywood blockbusters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Every two weeks, we take a look at a batch of comics, then watch the related MCU movie or TV show. Then, after we're done, we connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures and try and answer the most important of questions who told the tale best? The books? with a screen adaptation my name is Dwayne, and with me as always dan welcome i'm excited this week
1: yeah gonna be a gonna be a fun one this week we're gonna be getting you ready for this first ever viewing of thor dark world which yeah. uh yeah. i've i've seen a couple of times it has been as you may have heard oft maligned in certain corners of the internet yes but, uh Lately, there have been folks who've been re-examining it a little bit. I'm interested to watch it again myself, and I'm interested to see what you think about kind of looking at it with fresh eyes, uh, having never seen it before. This is actually Thor's second solo movie, and in it, he's trying to save Asgard and Jane Foster from the dark elf Malekith. Uh, We already have seen a bit about Malekith in the Walt Simonson Thor run that we covered way back in episode 10 of Comics Over Time. But now we're going to see what he's been up to more recently with a couple of series from nearer to the time of the movie and then yeah. another one from just uh just a couple of years ago so Malaketh over time is yeah. the new name of the podcast so. <laughs> yes
0: yes yes uh but before we do that let's let's talk briefly about some comic book news that occurred this week first off let's Let's talk about Superman and a new 10 issue mini series that is starting in March of 2023 called S- Superman Lost. Uh, it is by a writer, Christopher Priest, and artist, Carlo I...
1: Pagulian. Pegl- Peg- I believe.
0: Peglian? Yes. So, uh, very interesting series. It's a, a brief thing it says the series will see Clark Kent thrown into a unique set of circumstances after a Justice League mission leaves him suddenly stranded in space for 20 years. Uh, there, there is uh, a cover art as well as a variant cover art that looks very cool as well as a couple preview uh, sheets uh, from, from, that, from that first book. Uh, it comes out March 14th, so if you're a Superman fan... Uh, that's something that you could be looking into
1: there you go and so here's here's your quiz do you remember where you've read priest or christopher priest before
0: i do not remember where i've read him before
1: he wrote one of the two series that we read about black panther a few weeks oh, ago.
0: oh okay very cool mm-hmm.
1: so you have a little bit of experience with some of his writing already and pagulian is actually somebody i've always really enjoyed i actually have some early career art of his that i bought as original art back a few years ago it's some really cool stuff that's just like some action uh action pages he did on mock-up about wolverine and so i've always liked his art very clean nice style so that should be interesting
0: uh, in other news, Doctor Strange soon did not be dead again. After after around a year after his much hyped death of Doctor Strange storyline, he is back with Jed McKay. Yeah, you didn't see a body, did you? Apparently, <laughs> so he is back, and Jed McKay, uh, a very very uh, a writer that we're very big fans of, I think both you and I, uh, is going to be writing this new book.
1: Yep, yep. McKay is very busy. Does a lot of great stuff, though. He's been writing the Strange storyline for the last year, where Clea has taken over, and where Doctor Strange has been reintroduced. So he did die. He he did actually die, or at least as close to the myst- the the mystic of the mess of the arts can ever get to dying. But it's going to be interesting to see how they bring him back. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I don't know if. Um, I would, it's interesting how having Marvel Unlimited changes things because I don't know I would buy this series if I had to pay four bucks a book for them, but I'm really enjoying following it when I can just sort of read them as they come out on Marvel Unlimited. And so I think that that's one of the reasons Unlimited's really a good thing is that it gives you that ability to keep up with storylines. And even like She-Hulk, I've been reading the recent She-Hulk run. As it comes out on Unlimited. I would definitely not buy that if I had to pay $50 a year to keep up. But there's a lot of Marvel stories that I'm enjoying. And Unlimited gives you a, a nice chance to be able to sort of move around in, in and uh, enjoy them without having to pay a ton. So, Apparently, one other thing I wanted well, to note. Uh, okay. The DC Comics movie wing continues to just be... A disaster. I think you may have called it a flaming flaming circus in the notes. Um, There's rumors of all sorts of stuff. James Gunn, and this may have been a mistake on his part, but he has started taking to Twitter to actually sort of whack-a-mole personally. Oh, goodness. Where there's certain rumors that are so outrageous or that he just doesn't want out there enough that he's actually coming out and specifically contradicting them. Um, Sure. So many of the crazier ones are being sort of disavowed there is not a lot being said actually officially about some of this other than some of gun's statements but a number of stories are actually coming out through relatively reputable outlets and so it's obvious that there's some sort of culture of of almost like this leaky ship at dc uh, where we keep getting information we keep getting sometimes bad or half correct information but it always just adds to this real question of what's going on there. Yeah. And I'm worried right now. So I believe in James Gunn, though. He's going to yeah, get it no. it, it may take I, him a while. I,
0: I, I am worried that, like, he's not even going to get a chance, that, that that this ship is going to sink before he has a chance to, to, you know, try and save the ship, as it were.
1: That that could be. That could yeah. be. So, yeah, we'll see. But it, it continues to, yeah, just be a disaster zone every, every week. So we both have recommendations this week. So I'm going to let yes. you go first. What do you You're got gonna for let...
0: So mine's not, it's a recommendation, but it's not really a recommendation insofar as it's a movie that came out uh, almost 10 years ago, eight years ago. I, I, re- I I've always remembered fondly that I liked X-Men Days of Future Past and decided actually last night to watch the movie again uh for for the first time in in probably close to eight years and and it was it was magnificent it was as good and in fact actually probably a little bit better than i remembered it insofar as there's a lot of characters in the in the in the movie that i was not familiar with Iceman, bishop warpath uh kitty pride is is in this and i didn't know who those characters were and having spent the last you know year or so reading comics with you and uh, playing Marvel Snap as well, I've been introduced to a lot of these characters, and I'm like, oh, hey, I, I, I know who these people are now. So the story is great. Uh, there's some pretty good special effects as well. Uh, that, that movie is uh, directed by Brian Singer, James McAvoy, and Michael Fassbender played the young versions of Professor Exxon and, uh, and, and Magneto and Wolverine is uh, Hugh Jackman is, is kind of the lone uh, current, you know, fully aged X-Men that goes back in time. So there's time travel in here. It could have been terrible. I'm, I'm telling you the story is crazy enough that it could have been terrible, but it actually is excellent. And, uh, if you have not seen it or you have not seen it recently and you're kind of not really enjoying some of the superhero movies out right now, go watch X-Men Days of Future Past. It, it, it is a good movie.
1: You. The bold go go watch a Sony movie uh, recommendation. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. I know. I, I, I enjoyed Days of Future Past. I, I do think you you sort of pulled off a a bandage that of a wound that's never really healed when you're like hey even kitty pride is in it because in the comics kitty pride is the star of it she's the one who sort of like inhabits her future self or future self goes back and whatever and they changed some of that in terms of who the stars were and everything but the original series is one of the classics of the x-men comic line and in fact if you'd be interested in reading the, the Days of Future Past comics as opposed to the movie, we could do that too because they are spectacular. And it it's hard. I mean, it's really just two comics originally, but then that's taken off now to become this whole branch of X-Men history, really, and, and future history. So, But, yeah, I like that one. And then I like First Class, which was kind of another one from around that time. They did. they not great, but they're not bad.
0: Yeah, that one's from 2011. I think it's immediately preceding Days of Future Past. I'm not, yep. I'm not so, I don't remember if I've seen that one or not. I'm assuming I have, but that one does not have that same memory of, boy, I remember really liking this movie. So maybe at some point in the next few weeks, I'll have to that watch was,
1: that one as well. That was kind of the first one where Fassbender, um Magneto came in and we saw him like, there was a big submarine and a, and there's a whole thing. Never mind. Yeah. Um, one of these days, yes. check out all uh, the X Men stuff. But, but tell yeah, us about your
0: cool. comic. Tell us about your comic book uh, recommendation.
1: Something this week. definitely not like the other stuff we've been talking about. So I'm I'm actually going to recommend something called Love Everlasting from Image Comics. I did not pre-order this because it didn't seem like it would be my thing when I saw the the initial covers and the blurb, uh, but. I was drawn to it over time by the absolutely just gorgeous art by Elsa Chart- Chartieri. And so I gave the first couple books a try. Now Tom's King's story has me hooked. I don't know what's going on. And I don't claim to know what's going on. But this is a kind of part time, part-time travel, part suspense thriller. Yes, partly it's a romance comic. But hear me out here. It, it actually feels like Love Everlasting is more of a deconstruction of the romance genre, as the story itself, deeply confusing, very frustrating, looks fantastic, and it seems like it's somehow centering around these two people who are just tumbling through timelines, sort of connecting to each other in this weird, doomed love where they keep murdering each other.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: So... It's weird, but it's different. <laughs> yeah. So, if you're interested, check it out.
0: All love right. We, we'll we'll have a, a link to some information on on love everlasting in the in the show notes, should you want to do that. But let's move on. Let's talk. What's in the stack for this week? Where where are we going uh, to get us ready for Thor Darkness?
1: So yeah, i got some great stuff for you. Taste, tasty morsels of comics for you this week. Two different series. The first one starts in 2013. It's Thor, God of Thunder, number 12 through 17. These are the, I guess, six books that come directly after the Gar the God Butcher and God Bomb storylines that we read a while yes. ago in, in preparation for Thor, Love, and Thunder. Really interesting story where now we get a look at how Malaketh, who'd been sort of on ice since the Walt Simonson days back in the 80s, comes back, gets out of prison and does his thing. We'll talk more about that. Second part then shows Malaketh five years later, 2019, coming back and starting this outrageous war of the gods and realms over the yeah. course of six main issues and then about 20 or 30 side issues because this was the marvel event for the summer of 2019 so both written by jason aaron really interesting stuff i hope you're going to
0: enjoy them so spoiler alert i did enjoy these a lot but before we jump in and talk specifically about these books let's talk about jason aaron a little bit because we we are coming back to jason aaron who we've read some other books from when we've looked at Thor here. And so I was a little curious to learn a little bit more about him. What do we, what do you have on Jason Aaron?
1: So Jason Aaron, somebody that I, when you asked about kind of doing a, a profile on him, I had to go and look and he's somebody who has not done anything particularly outrageous that uh, gets him into the, the weird comic book files But really what he is is a guy who's been working in comics for nearly 20 years. He started out with some early work at Marvel uh, by essentially just doing a talent contest type thing that he won. Eventually he ends up nominated for an Eisner for a Vietnam comic called The Other Side in 2006. And he's got creator-owned work on things like Scalped and Southern Bastards that has been nominated for various awards and the like over the years. Uh, Scalped is about... A group of Native Americans on a reservation. Kind of just sort of slice of life type of stuff from that. And then Southern Bastards is another one that um, deals with a lot of interesting topics. It's good stuff. It is more sort of real than a lot of stuff he does with Marvel. Okay. Even so, though, undoubtedly he's best known for his work. Just on all these classic Marvel heroes like Wolverine, Punisher, Avengers, Thor. And he has done massive runs on Avengers and on Thor. We've read a number of things on his Thor stuff. But I believe it's something like a seven year chunk of writing Thor pretty much straight through. In what almost certainly has to be one of the great, if not. I think probably if you put them up against each other. He might actually have a better run than Simonson at this point. Uh, All of that's probably going to get me struck by lightning in some, in some <laughs> camps. Uh, Simonson's stuff is pretty great, so I would not argue against either one. But the fact you can even put him in the same breath shows that he did some pretty spectacular stuff. Uh, some weird trivia on him. Uh, according to Wikipedia, his cousin, Gustav Hasford, actually wrote the semi autobiographical biographical novel, The Short Timers. Which was the basis of the film Full Metal Jacket. And that was one of the things that gave Aaron the idea that you could be a professional writer and he as a youngster actually said I want to be a professional comic book writer and then he went about becoming that thing and making it work so you gotta be wow. you know gotta wow. give it to him not everybody can do that yeah. so uh, he's one of the guys who doesn't necessarily look like he's a, a writer he's a, a big dude uh, got a full beard tattoos all over the place including a number of which are sort of Marvel and Thor related so uh, there's a few pictures of some of them in fact even in the comic books they've got photos of him and some of his Marvel related tattoos but yeah seems to be somebody who for the most part has been been doing good work and largely avoiding scandal which I think we've grown to we should grow to appreciate in our creative types for the better part of 20 years yeah good guy great stuff
0: sounds good so why so why did you pick these two particular two particular story arcs as, as the lead-in for for the movie this week
1: so really i wanted to focus on Malaketh because he's a big part of the story and there is a yeah. there's a number of other elements to the movie that don't necessarily have a lot of connections within the comic books but malekith was a big part of it and these stories are really good as well plus it got us a chance to let you kind of catch up on some characters that we'd left for a little while and i liked all of that so the first stories you know they show us how malekith comes back after the simonson run they also do a good job of exploring sort of the the idea of the norse realms and that culture of the dark elves and then the second series is where he sort of takes all of that and just brings it to the nth degree where we see this full on sort of like battle between the various races and cultures of the Norse realms. And all 10 of them are just sort of upended and Malekith is running rampant across them and everything else. And it's, it's a really interesting story. And I like the fact that, yeah, it dovetails back in and sort of ties up a lot of the threads of stuff we've seen before. I'm hoping that this will give you almost for maybe one of the first times that sense of I know what's going on and and yep. then some closure as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So we we're, we'll we're gonna we'll talk about to Yeah, we're gonna talk about that once. We did again.
1: I to an extent succeed in that maybe? Yeah. Hopefully. Yes,
0: it. you did. Let's jump Excellent. in. Let's talk about Thor God of Thunder issues twelve through seventeen first.
1: Sure. Alright, these books are from 2013. They were written by Jason Aaron. Drawn by a number of artists, including Nick Klein and Ron Garney. Colored by, well for the most part, Klein colored himself. And other than that, they were colored by Ivy uh, Sforcina. I've never been able to pronounce that one. And then all of them were lettered by Joe Sabino. So, good crew. Uh, For the most part, it was... A standard crew I believe that Klein only did the first of these books which was kind of an intro that didn't necessarily connect um, so so our quick recap on these is that in issue 12 Thor returns from destroying the gun bomb he makes some new friends on Midgard catches up with Jane Foster uh, and after that sort of relatively relaxing time of one issue everything completely explodes in a five-part series called *The Accursed*, where we see Malekith, the Dark Elf, escape from Niflheim, begin a bloody quest to regain his place as the king of Svartalfheim, which is the essentially black elfheim, dark elf realm. Thor and a group of heroes known as the League of Realms chase Malekith and his dark hunt from realm to realm, trying to stop him from murdering his own people, who Malekith considers to be weak and traitorous for accepting aid from others. Eventually, Thor brings together the Dark Elf tribal leaders and urges them to choose a new king so that Malekith can be defeated. They eventually do so, but shock Thor by choosing Malekith himself. So the Dark Elf regains his throne even after murdering countless members of his own people. And Thor can do nothing but watch. This is not, in my opinion, a story <laughs> with a happy ending.
0: No, no, it is. It is really not, actually, it the kind of the almost dumbfounded look that he has on his face when they do make that decision and he's just flabbergasted by it kind of speaks to
1: the whole city,
0: the the whole the whole uh, five five issue arc there leading up to that it was just it was actually crazy
1: yep it was it was interesting though because to an extent he really does develop the dark elves as a as a group and by the end you can kind of see why they would make this terrible choice that essentially you know they they respect cruelty and strength and things that the rest of the world doesn't and so for some reason they decided to follow this guy It's not necessarily the rank and file but at least the leadership of the dark elves yeah a bunch of very unwise people
0: yeah so I wanted to start by talking about Malikith him himself and, and like him being freed from prison. And you talked about it. He goes on this revolution to cleanse his people of of uh, what he calls pretenders and reassert himself as the leader of the Dark Elves. And and the Dark Elves are are, are a group of people that are separated into different tribes and they all kind of like interf- they fight with each other and and, and none of them like listen to each other no, none of them work together for any reason whatsoever and so the idea that thor had of trying to bring them together to try and get them to to actually work together to work uh to defeat this common enemy seemed to make sense because like you know he's alakip is just in, indiscriminately killing people like he is going from basically tribe to tribe and just wiping out entire villages of people. And, and, and it's like, you would think that that would get, get them to, to, to think a little differently and like actually put somebody in there that actually cared for, you, know, you would think the, the, the right, the rank and file as you, as you put it, but, uh, but, but that didn't end up being the case. And like, some of the early imagery of Malaketh when you see him in the prison, the first kind of, uh, when he escapes the prison specifically, he, he's in a hole that is like lined with snakes. And this, one of these other dark elves, like this group of like mercenary dark elves go in to try and get him out of prison. And one of them actually kind of goes down this hole And then basically gives him the knife that he used to kind of help him get down there. And then basically says, use my body to get back up. So these are devout followers of Malekith. And he comes out and you see him and he's just got this long white hair. And there's just basically this full page panel of him. And he looks, you know, very weak and and spindly and unkempt and everything that you would expect a guy uh you know a creature in prison for a long length of time to be and and this is prison in nefelheim which is extremely cold there's like frozen bodies everywhere and stuff and there's like giant spiders protecting the area and everything it is just it is it is interesting to see the lengths that they went to to get him out of prison and then just to see that those kind of initial pictures of, of him, the the panels are, are very well done.
1: Now, Niflheim is actually the Norse underworld, like the area ruled by hell, but he's not dead. He's just been trapped there. It's like sentenced there by Odin. So he's okay. one of the few living beings that's being held in hell. But uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's weird, but in looking at those, and then even as you go along through the rest of it, I think it would be reasonable to say th- th- reasonable to say that Malekith is essentially like DC's Joker only with top level magical powers so like a a crazed murderous lunatic who also has significant supernatural powers and and I guess a power base of an entire, you know, region, to back yeah. up his craziness, so it's <laughs> that's it's not, not a good thing. That's
0: yeah, that's not a good uh, combination. I no. think in any way, strange, straight, straight uh, anyway, shape or form.
1: So Thor is like, "Hey, we'll go and get him," and he decides he's going to take a bunch of just folks, his friends from uh, from Asgard, and go and face him. And his mother's like, "Nope, can't do that. This has to look like it's a." You know, a joint effort from a number of the, the the regions, and so he ends up taking with him instead, Screwbeard, uh, of who's a, a troll or not a troll, who's a dwarf, Dwarf. Odd the troll, um, somebody from Jotunheim, and then Lady Warzina, who's actually another dark elf, and they form he, this new thing. Yeah, he oh, actually
0: save he actually saves her because one of the times he actually does show up and he's still there. He's got a knife at her throat and he ends up cutting off her arm instead of killing her outright yep. before before leaving and and so yeah, she joins she joins this little group of called called the League of Realms that that he ends up leading to try and bring Malekith to justice.
1: Yep. And so they start chasing him across various realms, and they always seem to be a little behind. He always seems to kind of know what's going on. Um, one of the interesting things, I don't know if you if you saw it near the end, that they sort of showed, is that the League of Realms is essentially the Warriors 3 and Lady Sith, yes. just in different forms. Like he there, just took a, a group of people who's basically all his best friends, only different people
0: yeah there's two panels side by side and i think it was one of the one of the warriors three that says hey they look kind of familiar (laughs) because they basically had the same panel except one of them's the league of realms and one of them is the warriors three plus plus lady sif and and they're like in this exact same kind of stance and everything it's crazy
1: That, that kind of entertained me so but yeah, they they're wandering along, and they keep finding that somehow he's ahead of them. Turns out that somehow or another, Thor actually had been literally bugged with this weird centipede thing in his in his drink at some point, and he was the way that Malaketh knew what was going on. But lots of bad things happen. But eventually, they do you know, sort of find some way to corner him. They bring him together with all of the uh, the folks from dark realm and then they completely screw everything up by not being able to agree on a leader themselves Uh, and then electing the wrong guy so
0: it it's interesting the league of realms they were not a good working team there was lots and lots of infighting thor and the the, the dark elf woman end up sleeping together at one point. And then there was like this, because they keep kind of showing up after Malekith has gone there, they they suspect a traitor. And of course it's the dark elf that they think is doing is the traitor. And she must be working with Malekith. And that's why he's doing this. And then all of a sudden Thor just says, no, it's, it's Ud the troll. And then proceeds to basically judge jury and, execute him with the thor's hammer taking off his head and you're just like whoa what is going on here and and apparently he's learned magic from loki and did this like whole illusion thing and ood the troll was just fine and he shows up along with the rest of the league of realms in the final episode our final issue and when we find out uh that that malekith is indeed going to get uh the, the throne of the dark elves
1: yep. so so you kind of hit on one thing i do want to talk about and that is thor himself like the way that thor carries himself who this character is mm-hmm. he seems to me like he truly jason aaron treats him like this being this larger than life god out of mythology supremely right. confident um you know very much a fan of his women and drink and sort of just popular with everybody. Everyone knows him to just be this supreme, you know, man essentially. Right. And right. it is a very different portrayal from what you see in the movies. I think that the direction they've gone in the movies, is—it is, it is sometimes when you think of people who've now spent... 15 years with Jason Aaron being the basis for who they think Thor is. You can kind of see why there's there's some trepidation at the fact that the movie version of Thor does move so far afield of what the comic book one is. you know yeah. So 1980s Simonson had his you know his frog Thor and stuff like that. That's not the Thor that Jason Aaron gives us really at all. He is for the most part a pretty serious guy through all of this i mean he he doesn't really crack a lot of jokes you know
0: no he is bigger than life throughout these books and like he he seems like everything revolves around him basically and and so he there there seems to be very little in the way of like regret or anything he's just i'm going to bowl headlong into this thing and and get Malekith and and, and there is no, no no second guessing it.
1: No, he's he's fun to watch, but he is definitely not not Spider Man. You know, it's a no. it's a very different kind of it's a very different kind of character. So so I think that's something even as we move into War of Realms and kind of see his his next step in evolution that this thor is very much a thor in his prime and they kind of even play on that with the three thors in the books we read before and that we'll see again coming up that you know there's young thor before he was worthy there is this thor who is the thor of sort of the the prime age and then there's old thor you know so anyway so anything I, else you uh you found interesting about that I,
0: i liked i liked the i liked this story this was this was a i think a really cool kind of follow-up story to that whole gore the god butcher and god bomb storyline it, it was interesting i read issue 12 and there as you said there's just like this break there where it's just like it's it's an issue to catch your breath more than i think anything else and and it doesn't seem to like go anywhere or do anything and you're just kind of okay that's interesting and then you just dive into this really intense storyline for for 5 issues after that which yep. i again feels almost as big as as that gore the god butcher story and from the from the standpoint of it, it it feels like it has at least that much of an impact or 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 possibly more
1: yeah and it never slows down like once no. the wild heart begins it's pretty much 5 issues where just their hair is on fire the entire time moving from place to place, trying to save whoever they can, etc. So I also think it was a really dark storyline when it comes down to it, it. Yes. You know, there were, there were a lot of bad things that happened and there were not a lot of sort of saving graces in the end because it's a story no, no where happy, the bad guy yeah, gets no exactly what he wants. Yep. You know, he, and in fact, he even says that really he's been playing Thor, that it's, Thor sort of meddling in things that end up forcing the Dark Elves to make a choice. And when forced with that choice, they end up having to make the choice of Malekith because there's nobody else that uh, that sort of fits the bill for what they need to do. So, yeah.
0: I think we need to... Let's, let's jump in and let's talk about War of the Realms because... War of the Realms was amazing it was epic I, I i would say and uh we we need as much time as we can to talk about this
1: i would i would say epic is a a very reasonable statement on this it can be an overused statement but not in this case so yeah the war of the realms was from 2019 and it's actually a much bigger storyline cuz there's one-shots and connecting pieces everywhere. But the main story, you can read the whole thing and know what's going on from beginning to end by just reading War of the Realms 1 through 6. So, Summer of 2019, written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Russell Dauterman, uh colored by Matthew Wilson, and lettered by Joe Sabino. And dowderman we've already seen him a number of times already. He was the artist on the... The Mighty Thor, um, Gene Foster Thor books that we read, okay. again, back at the way back at the start of the podcast. Really a spectacular sort of like precision line artist. You know, his stuff is just so clean and precise. And interestingly, he still can put astonishing amounts of violence into it, even doing <laughs> that, which I think is yeah. difficult. You know, yeah. to have something that is so... So well delineated and yet still has so much accent and so much life in it. So I really love Dauterman's art. But a recap on this and a quick recap is almost impossible. But I'm going to give you that and then we can go we can go back and talk about stuff. So these annual Marvel event books are roughly equivalent to MCU movies like the Avengers or the Captain America Civil War movie. In that they're capstones of a year much the same way as something like Civil War would have been a capstone of an MCU phase. They bring together Marvel's heroes for a sprawling, sort of multi-month, multi-series crossover, and in 2019 this event was called War of the Realms, in which Malekith attacks Midgard with a number of allies from across the Norse realms. A long and bloody battle then plays out over six oversized issues, with nearly every hero in the Marvel Universe taking part. Spider-Man and others actually throw in some jokes and try to help to keep the mood light, but the Punisher is in his element in this one, and Loki is a wild card as always. Jane Foster and Lady Freya both play major roles, with Freya putting Jane in charge of Asgard for a time, and Jane eventually ends up reforging an interdimensional Thor's hammer to once again gain the powers of Thor for for the final act. Thor himself eventually ends up tied to the world tree and it loses his eye, much in the same way Odin did, and in exchange for which he gains the knowledge he needs to return and defeat Malekith. At the end, Odin bows to Thor and proclaims him the new Allfather of Asgard, and we move into a completely new phase of Thor's sort of career. So... Yeah.
0: So... I so i talked about this being epic and i have to tell you i think that's where we start because this was to me one of the most epic stories i think i've ever read this felt like an avengers type story which makes sense because we saw the avengers in in this like everybody was in this I, I, there is mm-hmm. it is not a stretch to say everybody is in this because if you can name any well-known hero from marvel they were at least mentioned somewhere in these six books if you if you open up bo- the book a- and go to kind of the recap of what's going on they give you little snapshots of of who who's kind of involved in all this and by book 6 the book spotlights 15 heroes of Midgar uh, on top of you know mentioning mentioning others just like throughout the books and stuff and so yeah it it is it is everybody and it is everywhere as well we have we have like these groups of heroes that are tasked to do various various things as teams and so you have a team uh, led by Captain Marvel and Black Panther that are on Midgard doing things. You have Jane Foster and Daredevil back at Asgard trying to get the, the Bifrost working. You have Thor, who basically gets kidnapped at the beginning of, of, of book one by Malekith disguised as Loki, ends up spending two issues and almost all of the third issue in Jotunheim fighting frost giants. And, and it is blade and captain America and uh, you know, iron fists that are coming to kind of rescue him, even though looked like he was doing okay, just kind of on his own there. And then you've got lady Freya and she Hulk and that going to the, the, the dark elf world that i cannot pronounce to save my life
1: don't worry about it yeah svartalfheim i yeah. what i try to do is is the svart is and then elfheim is like elfheim elf world yes cuz elfheim is the light elf world but sure. i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right anyways yeah. anyhow
0: proceed so the the a the the dark elves have their own bifrost called the black bifrost and so that's how they were moving throughout all the realms to conquer them and and this this story really is kind of the culmination of this total like quest of malekith to basically annihilate the entire you know rest of the realms and he has done it when when the series picks up he's basically taken out every all the other realms except for midgard and and that's why this is such this epic story. But it is fantastically done. With all those with all those changes and things, I, I was expecting to get lost, but at no point did I get lost at all in what was going on. And 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 it, it just I I wanted to like this story, and I ended up loving this story.
1: Excellent. And and might I say spectacularly retold because there's a lot of stuff there and that was really good because you're right there was people running everywhere and things and it could have been really confusing and your your sort of summary reminded me of all those things but also you're right that somehow he kept it all propelling forward and the story making sense even with this cast that was well beyond what anyone could ever be expected to somehow make you know work in a book so it was, it was really interesting i also think that the epic sense of it was not only that you have all these heroes and that there's all this going on but the fact that he's layering over norse mythology so yeah. there's this sort of very epic feeling base to it all and there's so many consequences i mean i see is laufi dead i think he might be you know, a number of other heroes and another of un- uh, 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 villains seem to have perished. The entire uh, Valkyrie population of uh, of Asgard dies, so that at this point there are no Valkyries left, which is going to then mean that Jane Foster takes up that mantle to become the the only new Valkyrie soon. There's there's just a lot of big things that happen in this and the story barely can contain it. I also was thinking it took me a long time to read this until I, I recognized that the books are like 40 pages long. So they are definitely oversized.
0: Most of them are, most of them are, are larger than your standard issue. And like the, the bookends one and six are like two issues. And then like the ones in between are like have an extra four or eight pages to them as well
1: yeah it's so it's huge in in all sorts of ways but i i had not read this for a while and i really appreciated it even more so one other thing i don't know if you looked at them much or took much time to look at them the covers on this were by one of my favorite artists a guy named art adams who back in the day did a bunch of spectacular uh comic books a lot of stuff with x-men and the like very detailed very sort of um, bright and and quirky kind of art he's got these really extended limbs and everything and and does just spectacular detail they're very upbeat covers for the most part everything he does just sort of has exudes this energy what I think is also interesting is inside the book for all the stuff we've talked about, you'd think this would be a pretty downbeat kind of thing with Valkyries dying everywhere and, you know, Earth under massive attack. And in actual fact, Spider Man's running around cracking jokes all the time. Other people are sort of throwing out humor here and there. The color palette is relatively light. And it plays really more like a big budget popcorn blockbuster yeah. than something that is sort of dark and morose or anything like that. It's a it's a war story with I mean, Thor kills what? 10,000 frost giants or something yeah. like this. There's literal mountains, it's like a mountain or a, a river of frost giant blood that yep. the uh, the team going to rescue him follows to uh to reach him. And but it never really gets as morose as it could.
0: No, it especially given the the story we read immediately before this too because like it that one had felt very very dark compared to this uh and and it does not it definitely could have with with all the death and stuff that ends up happening throughout the these books like at one point you actually think that freya and odin have died and and be, yep. because they've been confronted by malekith and and it, it could have been really dark but it ends up not being so because they're just with kind of the mood and and the, the the way the story is being told and the the little bits of 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 humor that are being included as well it just it keeps it light and entertaining and and makes it fun uh as, as you're going through this
1: Yep, I would agree 100%. That's that's the way I feel about it as well, that it it took a story that had a lot of stuff going on that could have been really dark, and it treats it respectfully. It's not like it downplays this, but it moves more into the heroic and more away from the sort of sad or, or morose. And in doing that, it made it just a really, really interesting story. Big stakes but also very enjoyable to read.
0: You know, we, we talked about, uh, we didn't specifically mention it, but, but we, we got to the point by the end of book five where where we find out that that Freya and Odin are not in fact dead, and that Malekith nope. has, has taken them captive, and he wants a one-on-one, kind. Of, he wants a showdown with Thor. And like the God Bomb story that we saw way back in 2013, the solution, because he knows he's going up against kind of some unfair odds, because now has all these dogs and, uh, you know, minions and other creatures that are kind of at his beck and call. And so he's not expecting a fair fight. So he's like how do I even the odds? I'm going to go get Thor of the past, uh Thor of the future to join me and then even has Jane Foster as the the mighty Thor, the goddess of thunder join and they all descend on on, on Malekith on at Stonehenge no less. That's where he's keeping them captive is at Stonehenge and they call. there's this brilliant brilliant two-page panel at the beginning of book six where you see the four thors flying towards stonehenge and they called them the storm of thors and it was just a brilliant brilliant two-page spread i have to say
1: yeah there were a number of two-page sort of like larger than life spreads in this that were really well done um they, you know, it's, it's an expensive pages, but man, did they make them hit properly! So, and that the the conceit on this, of course, was that Malekith had set up some sort of shield that only Thor could come through, which is why Thor couldn't just bring anybody with him; he had to find someone that would f- fool the magic. And so the four of them rush in and and start fighting. But that was that was entertaining. I think it was it was fun also because it, and again. And this is where we kind of get into that thing I wanted to talk about. It called back to a previous storyline and yep. allowed you to kind of have that moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. I have prior knowledge that that informs this and makes yes. me feel smart because I've been yes. reading comics. Right. Uh-huh. And I that feels that. good. It yeah. does.
0: It feels fantastic. There is there is something about the payoff in this in these set of books that i really loved At, towards the end of this series we saw thor the you know when he when he uh went and found future thor uh to help him with the with with gore the god butcher and the god bomb and you see not only does he have the arm removed but he's missing nope. an eye and he's got a different looking Mjolnir, and you're like, how how does this happen? This doesn't make any sense. Like the, yeah the eye thing. This was something Odin had, but this isn't something Thor had. You find out why this happened. Thor literally pins himself to a world tree that is growing on the sun, as a way to try and learn, gain the knowledge like Odin had done in order to defeat Malekith. And so he 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 like is ends up having to give up the Mm eye in order to get this knowledge and and seeing this and then seeing the new on there and seeing seeing all that and to think i saw this from books seven years ago and then now it's coming to fruition the things that that i was kind of teased in those books it was so satisfying i was so excited Mm -hmm. i was like now this this makes sense yep
1: absolutely and that's you know the the idea of those three the three thors the ability to kind of see a little bit more of the progression of jane's story from where we'd seen it it's just kind of nice to see those a a good writer who's got a plan being able to tie that all together keep things going and moving forward even with a character that you know with thor is not really supposed to move forward all that far because he's a property hey. that has to stay in one place uh-huh but he has done a lot you know Thor is not the same person seven years later that he was when Jason Aaron took that character over at all you know no. and I I think that's a real tribute to him so it was and that Stonehenge fight was fun uh a little weird that Odin accepted the uh the iron Odin armor. Or whatever that was forged by the dwarves and by Tony Stark for him, yes. and then used that in his fight against Malekith, which he he only he only took it because he'd been wounded. He said so he needed he needed a little else something, but I would think that would be an, an amazing like uh, insult to him to try and say that he needs he needs an advantage, but right, but he did. It didn't work well.
0: So we we I I loved. Th- kind of the way the fight ended in so far as we we have this moment where there's like this like rumbling sound and then all of a sudden the new mule just shows up and you have thor picking up the hammer and like odin's almost kind of narrating it in so far as he's like it it's not the hammer that makes the thor it's the thor that makes the kind of the hammer and Mm -hmm. and and like thor finally realized it and they called back to the um the part right when he got uh got his arm taken off very early on with malekith and the uh the the character was right comment that
1: they yeah i mean it it all goes back to the gore the god the gore the god butcher and the Gore was right. Comment.
0: Yep. Yeah. So so he he talk he, so he says you know I'm, I'm actually the god of the unworthy, and that's what makes me worthy, and that's why he's able to handle Mjolnir. And the next panel is a full page panel of him basically cracking Malaketh in the head with this new Mjolnir, and that basically ends the fight. He 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 ends up being scared and 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 Malika's own dogs that he's trained to like rip rip people to shreds including his mother apparently uh yeah. end up being kind of the ones that 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 uh that take uh and finish finish the fight off
1: yep you see a panel where uh, each of the dogs seems to have an arm or a leg or something like that and his big tiger has got the most of them so yeah. he's going to have a tough time coming back from this one this this would be one of those uh, deaths that they're going to have to convince me somehow of how exactly he comes back when uh, when he comes back but it was it was well done i it was satisfying i think that it's almost that you know that there's stages of worthiness where he was an unworthy thor at one point then he gained enough sort of self-worth to to become worthy in the eyes of many, but it's that understanding that he's still got a long ways to go. That sort of is the next stage that makes him sort of that the Thor who can actually be an all father. Yeah. And you know, that, uh, over time he just keeps kind of, kind of progressing along that path that he needs to move down. And so it was, it was well done. And, and again, still much, not where, Thor in the comics is at right this is a or I mean so much not where Thor in the movies is at it's it's a completely different really a different character and and it is weird because I love both of them yeah but you can see where if you're really set on one or the other character you're gonna have trouble although I find it hard to believe that anybody who read who enjoys the movie would not still enjoy these comic books because the thor in the comics is just so cool yeah that you have to still be like yeah that's pretty that's pretty amazing
0: i i do recall my initial kind of feelings with some of the very first things that we that that i had seen uh, that i wasn't as impressed with Thor as I've come to be after getting some initial, some extra exposure to some of his storylines. And, and so he, he seems, he seems like a more interesting character than I had initially thought. And, and I was definitely somebody that liked the Thor movie character. And I think I needed to almost be convinced that I would like the comic book version of Thor and I have definitely come around to where I really like the the comic book version of Thor as well.
1: Well, I think it it probably didn't help that some of the first books we read with comic book Thor were the ones where he was, you know, wandering around complaining at Jane Foster about why she, you know, or, or trying to find out who the, the Lady Thor was and whatever. He was yeah. kind of... He was kind of a little bit of a whiny baby in the first the first <laughs> comics that we read.
0: Yeah. So
1: you've you've now been able to go back and and see him in a better light with some of his other stories here. But I think it also is just a combination of a writer who really understands a character, and some artists who are just spectacular at delineating the stories that he wants to tell. You know, with Ibak Rassad and Douterman and some of these guys, he's just found spectacular artists and and told these amazing stories so
0: yeah i don't know how how you can expect to see this many characters and and just be really happy with how all of them look because i i definitely have remembered seeing different versions of characters and been like this doesn't look right but yet Mm -hmm. every version of these characters and think about it this is All of the major Marvel characters Russell Downerman, Mm -hmm. you know, drew in these books and they looked exactly pretty much like I expected them to look, you know, Doctor Strange and and like Black Panther and Spider-Man. And they all have kind of their own distinct looks. Thor, too. But they all just they all look good and they all look good together.
1: Yeah. My one asterisk to that is, by the way, minus the X-Men, who I believe were all dead at this time, other than Wolverine, who also was supposed to be dead. And that's why people are yes. like, hey, I thought you were dead. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's no X-Men in it, but pretty much everybody else is is there fighting. It's also interesting when you think about the fact that at no point in the story really did I have to kind of look to figure out who the characters were yeah. when almost all of them are blonde Scandinavians, you know? <laughs> so he's really good at delineating, like making it so Brunhilda and Freya actually look different enough in their hairstyles and everything that you immediately, yeah. even when you're not seeing all their armor and their full costume, you know who everybody is immediately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really talented artist, really well done stuff. So, have any final thoughts for me on this? What uh, twelve issues this week? It was a lot of comics, but a, a fun read. Did it did it seem like you were slogging through them, or did it seem like they went by in no time?
0: They they felt like they went pretty fast, actually, and and despite the fact that War of the Realms definitely did have some bigger issues, and and I I should also note that there is some really excellent. Artwork kind of breakdowns that they do it at the end of some of the War of the Realm books. Mm-hmm. At the end of each one of them, it seems like they had a a page or two where they showed off the different aspects uh, of the artwork in the books, and and so would definitely recommend uh looking at those as well. But there was, I I, I just I really liked this. I I was on un- like unexpectedly surprised at how much I liked this. Just it, it it was an epic story that ended up being feeling as epic as it felt like it should have been and and at no point was i lost or or needed needed kind of like to reread things there was nothing confusing about the way the panels were laid out any way the the text was was put out it, it just was a straightforward fun and and like mm-hmm. very engaging read
1: Yep. I would agree with all of that. I, I'm i interested to see how it goes this week. I got a, I got a small sample of how good it felt to have comics win over movies last time. So I, I believe I may have stacked the deck to see if I can uh, take on one of the MCU's other sort of low-hanging fruits and see if I can defeat them again this week. So we're going to see what you think about these, these series uh, up against Thor... Uh, Dark World next week. I'm I'm uh, rel- relatively hopeful that we're going to have a good result. But in any case, I really enjoyed reading these stories again. I think that it's top-notch stuff. And in fact, even after we finished with this, I then went in and started reading rereading some of the, uh, the Valkyrie stuff again, which is all out on Marvel Unlimited as well. And it's just a, a super run of books all the way back from when aaron first started because he he sent asgard on all sorts of you know basically uh destroyed asgard brought the the people down onto earth instead does this whole big storyline it's a ton of really great things going on and well worth well worth anybody who's interested in the character taking a look at the whole
0: run when they have a chance so yeah all right that is going to do it for us for this week we'd like to thank you all for joining us if you're new to the podcast please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice that way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released if you have some comments about war of the realms or thor or thor dark the dark world which we're going to be talking about next week we'd love to hear them you can email the show at comments at comics or message us via Twitter. We are at Comics Over Time. There, we're also on Hive Social at Comics Over Time. Dan, with some epic books this week, I am very interested in seeing how the movie takes the story of Um uh, I, I, they have, as you said, uh, they they've got their work cut out for them this week. Yes, they do. But it's
1: going to be fun to see, and yeah, look forward to talking to you about it next week. Till then, take care everybody. Have a great week.
0: Talk to you later.